morning. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Understanding Business. This is UTLRadio.com, your business success and legal information station, and I'm your host, Peter Lamont. So today we're going to talk about something that is a recent story in the news, at least here on the East Coast, and it involves a gentleman by the name of Anthony DeVino, who posted flyers around the Staten Island and Brooklyn courthouses seeking to barter services with a divorce attorney. Now, Anthony is an electrician and found himself in a very contentious and expensive divorce and had uh, sort of run into financial problems with respect to his representation. And in a, a desperate move, yet one that was highly creative, in my opinion, he posted flyers and offered to barter services. So he would do electrical services if an attorney would represent him for the remainder of his divorce. Now, today I want to talk about not just Anthony DeVino and his situation, but I want to expand upon this and I want to look a little bit into the business of practicing law because there's this idea, almost this uh, dichotomy that exists between lawyers as counsel and lawyers as business people. So we're going to talk about that. But before I do, I want to welcome to the show Anthony DeVino. He's joining us here. He's going to talk to us for a few minutes about what he went through. And then I will you know, move on to the, the, the discussion about the business of law. Anthony, this is Peter Lamont. I'd like to welcome you to the show. How are you? Thanks for taking the time to be on today. You know, I want to talk for a few minutes about your situation. And before we, we, we get going with what sort of motivated you to post the flyers, um, I read yesterday your campaign, your bartering campaign, has been successful and that you actually have um, been in contact with a lawyer. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Well, congratulations on that. You know, I, I want to talk to you for a second. I I would imagine that your uh, decision to post the flyers around the courthouses was basically born out of desperation because you needed counsel. We all know that divorces can be extremely complicated and difficult, if not impossible, to handle yourself. And and so I, I would imagine it was desperation that, that drove you to post for the flyers in the first place. Is that right? That is 100% correct, yes. I was at uh, pretty much my, my wood's end. I had nothing left. And uh, all I did have left was my uh, my skill set, which was uh, you know what I tried what I tried to borrow. Well, you know it's a it was a good idea. And did did you come up with the idea yourself, or did you know you speak with somebody and they say why don't you do this? What what gave you the idea to actually post flyers? Um, I uh, the idea was all was all my idea. Um, the idea to post the flyers came from me not really being internet savvy. So I don't, I didn't really know how to get it out there on a social media, um, you know, aspect. So I knew how to, you know, post. Well, I, I knew I have an art background. When I was a kid, I did a lot of art. So I just made, I designed a flyer, and I just, uh, I just figured, you know, where are the most attorneys concentrated? Because every time I go to court, I see tons of attorneys there. I right. Figured, uh, you know, so that would be the spot to post the flyers. So that that's just what I did. It just went, you know, there was not too much premeditation. It was just more like, uh, you know, a little thought and just done. I mean, it was a great idea. It's like old school social media. 
it was a great idea and obviously it paid off. So that's that's yeah. wonderful for you and, and hopefully, you know, the remainder of your case goes smoothly and, and now with an attorney on board that's gonna be helpful. I wanna ask you for a second about attorneys in general and the way that you as a client um, feel about some of the attorneys, the way they handle themselves with respect to billing. Because, you know, look, I understand, I'm an attorney, I understand that attorneys need to be paid. And I understand that there is a wide range of fees that attorneys are going to ask for. But, you know, in your experience, how do you feel, just your opinion, how do you feel about the way that lawyers, especially divorce lawyers, bill and charge? I mean, what are your general feelings about it? Is it unaffordable for the average person? I am a business owner, so I am not going to, I'm, and I'm an electrical contractor, I'm sure there are numerous amounts of people who think my fees are expensive for my trade. So I don't think lawyers should overcharge. I, I, don't, I don't think that they overcharge. I think that they have an education. They should be paid for their work. But what I do think they do not do is a lot of them, a lot of them, I don't really like to generalize. To be right. With you. I think it's not, I don't think it's right. But um, but from my experience, I can tell you what um, the lawyers that I had, had took advantage of me um, financially. Um, the, the divorce is a very emotional time, um, especially in the beginning. And um, at that time, they try to get you to remove emotion. And it's, it's very difficult. So emotionally, most people, I would think, is willing to just give whatever they have just to get, you know, this stuff fixed. You know, you at the time you're losing your house, you're losing your kids, you're losing, you know, all your assets, and you just pretty much you would give probably your right arm to not lose right. that stuff. Right. So, so at that point is where I think the, the lawyers, uh, a good lawyer, a bad lawyer, come in. A lot of lawyers, I think, in my opinion, tell you you have to remove emotion. And I think a lawyer should do the opposite. I think a lawyer should fight with emotion because I think that's going to get him to him or her to actually win the case if they put themselves in my shoes and will spend for their children or their money or something like that. I think that, that I think that a lot of lawyers just get kind of spoiled from my experience and are not really aggressive. Oh, I know what the judge is going to say. You're not going to get your kids from day one. You're not going to do this. It's not going to happen. And that's that's part. all I want was a fair a fair a fair fight for what's mine, whatever the outcome be. So that's right. what I'm trying to attain, and that's what I think I have now with my new attorney. Hopefully, um, she'll just you know she'll just you know be aggressive and and fight for what I think you know is, is mine. I don't I don't know your new attorney, but it certainly sounds like an attorney that would look at a flyer like yours and realize, hey, you know, we can barter services. I think there's got to be a level of compassion within that, that lawyer or a level of, of actual concern because from what I know, it's not publicity driven. It seems as though, and again, I don't know your lawyer, but it seems as though your lawyer is coming from a place of compassion versus financial gain or anything else. And that's a wonderful thing. So I, I applaud your attorney for accepting the challenge and, and helping it. It's a great thing. Uh, would you agree? Well, well, well I, um, um, you know, Dahlia, her name is Dahlia Zavra, and she is, and you're 100% right, because I've had um, at some point some larger firms call me, and I've actually, you know, said that I already have an attorney, that Dahlia is, 
she's great. She's very compassionate. You hit the nail right on the head. She she sat down. We for like four or five hours. We had a long discussion. She went over the case. She yes, she's definitely driven from a different place. It's, it's not it's not um you know wasn't financial driven or publicity driven. Right. Well, that's that's really really great. Um, I want to thank you for taking the time to, to call in today to share your story. I think it's important to talk about what you did because it was very brave. Even though it might have been out of desperation, it was brave, it was creative, and it paid off. And so I think that, you know, you're a good example for others out there who might be in similar situations where they just can't afford what a lawyer is charging. And, uh, I mean, there's different lawyers at different price ranges all over the, all over the place. But I think that uh, the way that you handled yourself was certainly um, very, you know, unique and commendable. And I want to thank you. I wish you the best of luck with the rest of your case. And, and, and thank thanks you. for sharing your story. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. Good luck, Anthony. Bye-bye. All right. Have a good day. So you heard from Anthony Davino. Um, he is the gentleman who actually posted the flyers, obviously, on the you know uh, area surrounding the courthouses in Staten Island and Brooklyn. And as you heard, it paid off. He was able to retain an attorney who is going to assist him on a, on a barter system. So I want to talk about a few things before we wrap up the episode. The first thing I want to talk about various ethics opinions. And that question is, is it, is it ethical for an attorney to barter services? with a client? And it's a good question to to answer because that's what Anthony Davino was looking to do. So there are different schools of thought. The American Bar Association has for years frowned upon the idea of bartering. However, local bar associations and local state bars where they've issued ethics or uh, ethics opinions, I should say, uh, for for example, New York, they permit a system of bartering so long as the attorney who accepts the bartering deal acts in an appropriate manner. Okay, in other words, complies with all legal obligations or ethical obligations, and performs their duties as if they would, you know, when they're being paid by a client. So, the idea of of bartering being an issue is not an issue in New York, and most other bar, state bars kind of agree with that. There's a number of, uh, of, of things or ethics opinions that agree. So, I mean, looking at them, we're talking about the New York State Bar Association, the Utah State Bar, North Carolina State Bar, Alabama, and Florida. And they all have ethics opinions published that permit, within reason, permit bar think that that Anthony's story is a great story. I truly appreciate him taking the time to call in. He's a busy guy. Uh, he's got a lot going on, yet he called in to talk and share his story. So for those of you out there who are listening that might be in a situation where you cannot afford an attorney for whatever reason, there are alternatives that you can employ to try to get counsel to assist you. And, and Anthony's a prime example. Now let's switch gears for a second and talk a little bit about the attorney side of this 
and the attorney as counselor, the attorney as businessman. Okay, so I asked Anthony what he thought about attorneys in general, and do they charge too much, et cetera. He said, you know, I think that attorneys are educated, that they charge what they um, believe they're worth, and, and he had no problem with that. He did say that attorneys should fight with emotion and not sort of exclude emotion from the case or matter that they're handling. I'll talk about that in a second. But this idea of charging money for your legal services been around since the beginning of lawyers. And lawyers have, I think, received a tremendous amount of criticism over the years. They have been uh, the center or focus of thousands and thousands of, of jokes and comics and uh, stereotypes about lawyers. The unfortunate reality is that some of it's true. There are lawyers out there that are solely motivated by money, solely motivated by greed, solely motivated by promotion and ego. And while they might be qualified attorneys, I think that some of those um, driving forces behind their successes might not be, you know, exactly what you would want in an attorney. And I think, unfortunately, that it gives people uh, in the legal profession a bad name. Now, that's not to say that everybody is like that. There are also there are those attorneys out there who are just not skilled and they make mistakes and um, you know, they get a bad name. And then there's the general pool of, of attorneys that are neither too egotistical or uh, poorly trained. And those attorneys are faced with a tremendous amount of difficulty, especially attorneys that are small firms or solo practitioners. When you're in a large firm, it's different. You have a large pool of resources. You've got not only support staff, but you've got the ability to speak with any of the other attorneys that are in the firm. There's a communal um, sense, and they're all working to preserve clients, to do a good job, and, and clearly to make money. So it's different. So in, in cases where you're dealing with a solo practitioner or a small law firm, you know, it's not going to be that same experience and I think that, as Anthony pointed out, you know, some of the large firms that, that reached out to him and were trying to help him, he didn't say it, but I would assume, based upon what we were talking about, that many of them were looking for more of the publicity angle that would arise from representation of Anthony, as opposed to just kindheartedness, which, from what he's described, is, is where his lawyer today is coming from. So, you know, okay. A lawyer should be paid for their services, no doubt. And I think that many small firms and solo practitioners find themselves in situations where they are involved with clients who will not pay, who for whatever reason are not interested in paying. They'll use the lawyer's services, they'll put them in bad positions, and then they'll not pay and make it extremely difficult for that lawyer to uh, carry on with, with not only his legal representation of that client, but with his or her business in general. That's, I think, a very common scenario. More common than I think most people would believe. I think that most people have the misconception that attorneys are, um, you know, all super rich and, you know, they're always the, the, the driver. They're the ones behind the wheel and the clients are just along for the ride. And that's not always true. In fact, many small firms find themselves in situations 
where not only are they not driving the, the bus, I mean, but they're not even strapped in with a seatbelt. They're more like riding the roof over bumpy terrain. And that's, that's unfortunate, but it's true. And it's, it's hard for clients, especially individual as opposed to business clients, to understand. But it happens. And I think that because of those negative experiences that small firms and solos might experience throughout the course of their career, they become hardened and it becomes more difficult to express emotion, concern, and, and, and too much uh, attachment to a particular matter. And I think that there are things that, that those attorneys should be learning from those experiences not necessarily not to have compassion, but how to deal with situations like that in a more appropriate manner. The business of, of being a lawyer is expensive. If you are a, a small firm or a solo practitioner, it is expensive. And this isn't, you know, oh, wow, wow, listen to the lawyers cry. This is reality. Malpractice insurance is expensive. Employment tax, expensive. And for all of you out there that own your own business who might not be lawyers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Employment tax, expensive. Other insurance, expensive. You know, and it's a challenge for a small firm or small attorney, um, or solo, not small attorney. You could be large, you could be small, uh, but solo attorney, to, to, I think, exist in today's age where they're faced with competition from online sources like LegalZoom, and they're faced with competition from large firms that can offer many more resources and have the ability to sort of dictate the, the course that you take because they're more powerful than you. And oftentimes when a solo or small firm finds themselves in, in a matter with a very strong-minded, semi-intelligent client, they can oftentimes be manipulated and taken advantage of. So there's the business end of this where you've got to make a living. You've got to cover your overhead. You've got to pay your support staff. You've got to pay for your insurance, pay for your continuing education courses. And it's a lot of money, a lot of money. So attorneys will charge in order to, to cover overhead. And I'm not talking about those extreme scenarios where attorneys are overcharging. What can be done? What can be done if you're a client? What can be done if you're an attorney? Well, all right, as a client, we saw what Anthony Davino did. We saw how that worked out for him. Will posting flyers work for everyone? No. Will this probably give some people the idea that they can go give it a shot? Yes. Is it worth doing? Yes. What are some of the other things that you as a client can do? Well, it kind of is connected with what attorneys can do. So as a client, you can look for attorneys or suggest to attorneys some form of alternate fee arrangement aside from bartering. There are attorneys out there who are more progressive in thought and are willing to accept payment plans, are willing to accept maybe a hybrid fee arrangement. What does that mean? That's a fancy word. I'm thinking of a car that's going to run half on, you know, electric half on gas. Is that what I'm talking about? No. What I mean by a hybrid fee arrangement is that the attorney might be willing to accept maybe a flat fee for a portion of the case. And then maybe they take a portion of a case on contingency. 
or maybe it would be award-based. They get X amount of money if they're able to accomplish A, B, or C. So there are alternatives to the standard hourly rate. Okay, standard hourly rate, that's what most people encounter. You go to an attorney, I need you to represent me. Okay, fine, it's going to be you know $10,000, and I need a retainer of $7,500 before I can represent you. That's the traditional model. Now things are different, and it's different, I think, because people cannot afford in this economy to drop that kind of cash. And I also think that with the advent of online legal services, whether it's online legal forms or online companies like LegalZoom that will prepare documents for you, I think that uh, a, a small attorney, a small firm, I think that there's this tendency to devalue what they can do. And I think that there's this bargain economy that, or, or, you know, bargain thought process that a lot of people have, which is, well, I'm not going to a large firm because I know they charge a lot of money, but I'm going to go to a small firm and it's going to be a bargain cost. You know, you're not going to the dollar store. And I think that that's difficult because there are people out there that just can't afford it. So if you can't afford it, then I think that doing what Anthony did was a wonderful idea. And I also think that speaking with attorneys about the, the possibility of a hybrid or, or alternative fee arrangement is also something you need to be aware of. And on the attorney end, I think that attorneys need to be aware as well that many clients cannot afford the traditional billing structures. And therefore, it is in their best interest to be willing to work with clients to an extent. Now, I'm not saying to an attorney, give it away for free because your time is valuable. And that's, uh, you know, time is a commodity that you, it's an intangible. And it's something that I think people devalue because you can't hold it in your hand. It's your time. But, you know, when you spend your day dealing with a whole bunch of different clients and it's phone calls and emails and, you know, is there actual uh, work product? Is there something tangible that you can take away? Well, the answer might be no, but what about that person's time? And I think that that's a, a commonplace issue. But attorneys need to realize that alternative fee arrangements and working with clients in, in different billing and payment structures is unfortunately, I think, the way of the future for small firms and solo practitioners. You've got to be willing to, um, you know, do something to help people afford services. That being said, there are plenty of times where a, an attorney will be approached by a capable client, and I say capable, meaning capable of affording what the, the attorney is requesting. Businesses, you know, uh, maybe successful entrepreneurs, whatever it might be, there are plenty of times where you will see as an attorney, a business comes to you and says, uh, what would it cost you to do something? Review a contract, draft a document. And you give them a fee, and they come back and they say, no, I can't help you. No, you're, you're too high. I don't want to work with you. And then they want you to reduce your fee. Now, am I suggesting as attorneys that you do that? The answer is no. Okay. What I'm suggesting is that there's got to be a sliding scale. There's got to be some – That's that doesn't mean you have to take this client right, that can't pay you. I'm not saying work for free, but 
think about alternative fee arrangements, but don't get confused with those potential clients out there that want you to reduce your fees when they're capable of paying you. For example, someone wants you to review a contract and the contract that they're entering into is going to provide them with multiple you know, uh, income opportunities. Maybe it's a $2 million contract or a $3 million contract and they want you to review the contract for you and you give them a price and they tell you it's too high and if your price is reasonable and they just don't want to pay it, well then clearly as an attorney, I would suggest to you that you don't accept that, you don't take that. Now there's a difference between being compassionate, looking at alternative fee arrangements to help people afford your services, providing fair, honest, and, and good service. And then there's a difference you know, between that and being taken advantage of. And I don't think that anybody, regardless of the business or career you're in, should be taken advantage of. I don't think that business owners should take advantage of customers, nor do I think it should go the other way. Um, you know, wishful thinking, I guess, because that's just not the way that our society seems to be set up, nor is it the way that we in this you know, century are wired. It's a me, me, me society. It's a, you know, um, I, I deserve all these things. I expect all these things. And very tough, very tough economy, very tough um, attitude that we as consumers have. And, you know, for some of you out in maybe the Midwest, maybe, you know, you, you're, you're listening to this and you're thinking, what is he talking about? Because we don't see that out here. And I have to say that there are sections of the country where the attitudes that exist on the East Coast or maybe the West Coast, but primarily the Northeast, the New York metropolitan area, I think are different than those that are found throughout the country. Now, people are people and, and you know, technology advances. So the people in Tennessee or North Carolina are going to be exposed to LegalZoom the same way that people in New York or Connecticut are. Um, but I do think that in certain sections of the country, there is a more laid back approach to things. And I think that that permeates the legal profession as well. But if you're in a major metropolitan area, any major metropolitan area, whether it's Chicago, New York, um, you know, uh, Jacksonville, uh, Los Angeles, you are going to encounter more of this, I'd like to just I'm just going to call it Northeast mentality, this big city mentality where, you know, you've got to watch your back, both as clients and as attorneys. Very tough, very tough. Um, but look, there's things that you can do to explore options. I think what Anthony DeVino did was, again, born out of desperation, but yet he had the courage to do it. And what did he have to lose? And fortunately for him, he was able to land himself an attorney. So that is a job well done as far as, um, you know, putting yourself out there and looking for an alternative way of, of contacting somebody. It was funny that he mentioned the fact that he's not well versed with social media and that he went old school on this, but, you know, it worked. And, uh, you know, I, I commend him for that. Think about that. If you are a client, if you are looking for an attorney and you can't afford an attorney, you know, Think about ways that you could offer to perhaps barter services because there are a lot of attorneys out there that are compassionate, that would be willing to do something like that. And if you're an attorney, you know, keep an eye out for opportunities 
to do things differently, to move away from the traditional billing structure, to perhaps look at alternate fee arrangements, to have some compassion and, and to provide good legal services and, and not let yourself be taken advantage of. It's tough. I know it is. And we can talk about that on future shows. And um, as a matter of fact, this, I believe this coming week, if not this week next, we have a business question. Um, it's the first business question that we received for our business Q&A show on Wednesday submitted by an attorney. And it's going to be interesting to answer it because it does deal with uh, dealing with problem clients. And so it's going to be interesting, not only if you're a lawyer, but if you're a business owner, because uh, you have to understand that the business element of being a small lawyer or, again, a solo lawyer, not small, or small law firm is, is the same. That challenge is the same as if you are a small business owner. You deal with clients, you deal with income, you deal with, you know, uh, liabilities, whether it's tax liabilities or money going out for payroll, we deal with the same thing. So from a business model, you know, the, the, the same problems that a, a small pizza place might have, a small law firm might have. So uh, just because the question is submitted by an attorney doesn't mean you're not going to gain something from that. So stay tuned and check out social media at utlradio.com. Um, our posts, our, our tweets, Facebook, and you'll see when that show is going to be aired. I believe, again, it's either this coming Wednesday or the following, but it's going to be a good show. It's an interesting question. All right, that's going to do it for today. I want to thank everybody for joining me. I also want to thank everybody who has subscribed to the YouTube page, who has signed up on iTunes to download the podcast, and who has visited UTL Radio. Remember that on utlradio.com, there is a free guide available. It is the top 10 legal writing tips for the non-lawyer. And if you find yourself in a situation where you are representing yourself, be it against a neighbor in small claims court, be it in the you know, trial courts uh, of your state, or if you're just writing a letter to somebody you know, about your rights, you are gonna wanna know the top 10 tips, and that's what's available on utlradio.com. You can pick that up for free. It's brief, it's to the point, and it just gives you the top 10 tips, things that you need to know as a non-lawyer when it comes to legal writing. So again, if you go to utlradio.com, on the right-hand side, there's a box, clearly says top 10 legal writing tips for non-lawyers. Click on it, put in your email address, and you will be instantaneously downloading the top 10 tips. Thank you again for your comments and feedback. I appreciate it. I read every single comment that comes in. I do my best to respond to every single comment that comes in. Please keep your questions coming, both legal questions and business questions, so we can get to them on upcoming episodes of business and legal Q&A. And uh, if you've got questions or comments, I'd love you have uh, taking me up on the opportunity to speak with me via telephone or through email or social media. And uh, we've had some, some pretty good conversations with some UTL radio listeners. And um, I, I encourage you, if you've got a topic or an issue, something that you'd like to see on the show, here on the show, or something that you'd like addressed, reach out to us. 
It's um, info at utlradio.com. That's the email address. You can also reach us on social media, YouTube, Twitter, Google+, Facebook, or directly through the website at utlradio.com. All right, that's going to do it for this show. I want to wish everyone a great rest of your Thursday. Uh, you'll note that this show was an hour earlier today in order to accommodate Anthony Davino, who has a busy schedule um, as a small business owner himself. And so we wanted to accommodate him. So we moved the show up a little bit. And um, we will be back tomorrow with the weekly wrap-up. So in case you missed anything that happened this week, we're going to bring you up to speed. We have a very short show tomorrow, just giving the highlights of the week. All right. Thanks, everybody out there for listening, for being fans, for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed already to either the podcast or to the YouTube channel, please do so. It means a lot to me. And you'll also be notified when new episodes are available. So please do that. And please also share this channel and the topics and, and you know, the, the pages, the social media pages, the web pages with your friends, family, and colleagues, and let them know about utlradio.com, your business success and legal information station. I'll see you next time. savings on new and previously leased furnishings. That's right, huge savings. At Court Furniture Clearance Center, choose from our wide variety of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. You'll find sofas from $199.99 and more. Everything in our 9,000 square foot showroom is Court certified, guaranteed, and in stock. Ready for delivery or to take home today. Visit our Chandelier Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off.